Capturing the world. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is David Carmichael II. And before we begin this to our new episode, I want to tell you about my brand, Capture the World. Capture the World is a black-owned streetwear brand from Hampton, Virginia. Capture the World represents the young generation of creatives around the world. Next up are Millennials and Generation Z. What is a creative? A creative can be described as an individual that sees the world differently from everyone else. A creative can be looked at as a leader or a person that influences people with their gifts and talents. A creative uses their gift from God, not for money and fame, but for the greater good of the world. A creative thinks outside of the box and brings innovation in the world. Anyone from the young generation can be considered creative and capture the world, but those people that are ambitious, passionate, and have perseverance are the only ones that can bring their gifts and talents into fruition and capture the world. Are you a creative? Do you want to capture the world? Capture World Apparel plans to provide the highest quality, high fashion, and give a unique look. You can visit our website at www.CaptureTheWorldApparel.com. The world is yours. Capture it. This episode was recorded on September 1st, 2020. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is your host, David Carmichael with a second, and I have another great podcast. This is episode 53. Um, I want to give a shout out to all of our Spotify listeners, all of our Apple Podcast listeners, um, all, of our, all of our YouTube listeners as well. Um, let's thank y'all for joining the podcast. Keep listening. Um, please feel free to share the podcast with your friends and family. Um, please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, just share the word about the podcast and i have another great special guest um his name is dr edmund moore he resides in dayton ohio he is an engineer for the u.s air force um he is involved with his church at omega baptist church um he's also a member of the omega sci-fi fraternity uh, from famu university um he's also an author of a book called with her father's love and that's gonna be the main thing we're gonna be talking about today um introducing dr edmund moore how are you doing today sir hey doing great it's a blessed day yes yes always great to live another day in the land of the living i uh, appreciate you being a part of this podcast again and um so yeah man um i know you have a lot a lot going on a lot we can talk about today um before we get into the main thing let's you know explain your background as far as where you know where you grew up and um you know, where you went to school and, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, was uh, born and raised in Georgia. Uh, born in Noonan, Georgia, raised in LaGrange, Georgia. Okay. Uh, went to an HBCU, Florida A&M University, Tallahassee, Florida, with the Rattlers. Uh, matriculated from there to uh, MIT, Cambridge, Mass. Got a master's degree there, material science engineering. Left the cold weather, went to the University of Florida and got a uh, PhD, master's and a PhD in material science engineering. And that's why I started working for the uh, United States Air Force. No doubt. No doubt, man. So, like, what made you want to get into engineering? That's what I've I've studied myself growing up. Um, I got an associate's in mechanical engineering right now. And I'm kind of on the fence about trying to go and get my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. So what made you want to, you know, you know, study that? Uh, well, when I went to uh, college, 
I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I figured I wanted to be a, a, a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. So I, I majored in physics because I figured it'd be easy to get in medical school with a physics degree versus a chemistry or biology degree. And while I was there, I took so much math, I ended up getting a math degree. So I ended up in four years getting a physics degree and a math degree. Uh, but one of my summer jobs, I worked at Furman National Accelerated Laboratories in Batavia, Illinois. And that's when I found out about the, uh, well, actually, no, it wasn't. When I worked at Bell Laboratories in Murray Hills, New Jersey, I found out about this new field called material science and engineering. Uh-huh. And so I had to make a decision about do I want to be a physicist or do I want to be an engineer? So I decided the job opportunities were more, were more in the area of engineering. Yeah, no doubt, man. I can definitely, um, you know, agree with, with why you wanted to make that choice, man, because engineering it's a lot of um, different avenues you can take with that field, man. You got mechanical engineering, civil engineering, architecture. There's so many things you can, you know, you can use with that degree. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, that's what's up, man. That's that's great. So, um, you said you are a engineer for the U.S. U.S. Air Force, right? Correct. So, what do you actually do in the Air Force as it as an engineer? Uh, do a whole lot. I'm a, well, I'm a senior uh, engineer for the Air Force. So I work uh, in the materials we used in the uh, turbine engine arena. Okay. I work with what is ceramics, metals, polymers, metals, composites, the manufacturing of them, repair, those type of things. I, I, I support those activities. Uh, also, I support uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives. Okay. So that's another area that I support as well. No doubt, man. Um, I know when I went, because I went to a trade school back in, uh, I, I, live, I live in Virginia, of course, and I went to a trade school in Virginia called the Apprentice School, and um, I worked in a foundry. So, you know, when you mentioned like metals and stuff like that, that kind of reminded me about, you know, working in the foundry. We had to like, you know, um, put different types of metal in the furnace and melt, melt it down and pour into a mold and stuff like that. So, and then you had, you know, engineers that worked in the foundry that were the ones behind the scenes, um, you know, putting the different, I guess, stuff together on how much metals you need, how much of this you need and how much of this you need to make, you know, a certain type of metal. So um, I was never on that side of it, but it's just interesting in how much it takes to just do something that. So what city in Virginia? Um, in the, uh, the apprentice school was in New Purdue, Virginia, but I currently stay in Hampton, Virginia. Okay. So because I'm on the advisor board at Virginia Tech, and uh, we're one of the few uh, colleges in the country to have a uh, a foundry on it. Right. So it's <laughs> out of cast and that kind of thing. So no, pretty cool. No doubt. Yeah, Virginia Tech is about four hours away from where I live at. Okay. So, um, you know, in Hampton, of course, we have Hampton University, Norfolk State, um, Old Dominion University. Those like the few universities around this area. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's real, you know, metal energy is real interesting, a, a real interesting topic thing to learn about. Um, so yeah, man. So I know that the main thing we've seen that you are an author, um, you have a book called, um, with a father's love. So before we get into that and why you, you know, started that, what made you want to want to write a book and become an author? Uh, always, always been a writer. Mm-hmm. So even when I was a kid, I would write short stories, poems, that kind of thing. Always reading. Uh, when I was working at uh, 
as a engineer at, at Digital Equipment Corporation. I was editing everybody's reports. All the young engineers would come in. So just all my life, I've been been writing, even organizations. I was taking notes and that kind of thing. So it was just a natural evolution to uh, write a book. No doubt, no doubt. So I know in the book you talk about a father's love and from what I, I've seen, you know, what I read about you, um, you had a situation where your wife um, unexpectedly asked for a divorce. And I guess that was a, you know, a hard time for you. You had, you got two daughters and um, you wrote letters to your daughters, you know, to, to express your love for them. Can you just like dig, dig deep and kind of explain that situation and what kind of led you to write your book? Uh, well, when I, Probably feels like five or six years ago when my wife uh, asked for a divorce. We have a very tough uh, child support judicial system here. So no doubt. the first thing you worry about is losing custody of your children. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, we was able to work it out where we get to keep each get to keep our kids 50% of the time. But my daughters were young. They was on the order of 8, 12 years old. And so I wanted them to know who I was. So... I decided to write a letter every week to them about something, some aspect of my life and uh, some values I wanted to uh, communicate to them. Okay. And that's how it started. Right, right. So um, you say you wrote a letter. Was it like a letter every week you wrote to them? For a whole year, yep. Every wow. Week. Wow, that's crazy. So um, like, what things did you write about to them um, during, you know, writing those letters to them? My initial letter was about, I will, I will always love you. So I'm going to show I had unconditional love for, the, for them. Uh, my last letter was uh, uh, called Arsenio Dilemma, I think it was. Okay. Based on the Arsenio Hall show. Right. And, and uh, you may be uh, too young for that. but uh, No, I know, about the, I know about the show, but yeah, that was definitely like, I was a, a baby when that show came out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He used to come on. His show started at 1130 at night. And uh, I was in grad school and I was still to watch his show. And I realized, I'm like, man, I'm sleep deprived. And I said, he's where I want to be. So I said, I had to make a decision about, do I stay up and watch his show? Or do I go to bed and work on me? So, so right. that's, that was basically the message I wanted to get across to him. No doubt. So no don't doubt. spend your time watching the Kardashians and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, because you know, shoot, you watching them, you know. What I'm saying you got to focus on watching yourself. You know, make sure you're doing what you got to do. You know right. what I mean? So, um, like, did your daughters have a ever told you they had a favorite letter from from those 52 letters you wrote? No, they never told me they had a favorite letter. My uh, uh, youngest daughter said that told me early on I should have, should keep writing the letters, uh-huh. and. Uh, my oldest daughter, nah, she didn't really say anything. Okay, okay. So what? How old are your daughters now? Uh, eighteen and fifteen. Cool. So, do they still? I know you reside in Ohio. Do they? Are they in Ohio too? Oh yeah, they stay. We all in in Ohio. Yes. Okay. So that's what's up. So it's, it's not um you know a far one in college, trip. one in the tenth grade. So. Okay, what what college does um the one in college? What college does she go to? Uh, Saint Clair Community College. Okay, okay, yeah. that's what's up. But everything's online right now. Yeah, so. I know, man. It's this COVID nineteen is crazy, man. Um, right. 
all these students taking online classes, um, praying that they can have the normal college experience soon, you know. But yeah, especially everybody got to be safe before they can do that. Um, so yeah, about your book, like what I know you explained about, you know, writing the letters to your daughter and explaining the father's love, um, to your daughters, um, uh, without having explained the whole book, um, kind of give like a summary of what the book is about and what can somebody expect to learn from reading that book? Uh, well, they learned a little bit about my journey. I don't really focus on that because the book was not about, you know, my relationship, uh, with my wife, it was more intended for my daughters. So I kept the focus really on them. And mm-hmm. so, the, like I said, the book covers from uh, unconditional love. I cover finances, uh, your rights as a child, um, provide a book, of, a list of books they should read, mm-hmm. uh, talk about education, communication. Uh, one letter said, I'm, I'm, I call it mind reader, tell them I'm not a mind reader. If you, 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 you need to tell me what's on your mind. Right. Communication. Yeah. You, you can't expect me to guess it. Exactly. So, just practical things. Okay. Okay. So, um, where can you get this book? Uh, where is the book available for purchase at? Books are actually available on, on Kindle, uh, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. And the easiest way to, uh, to, to, to get a, to get a link to it is go to my website. And that's uh, edmundmore.com. And that's E-D-M-U-N-D-M-O-O-R-E.com. That website. Excellent. It's excellent. Edmund spelled like the Edmund on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. yep. But not named after him. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt, man. So, uh, so yeah, man. So, uh, um, about the book again, man. Like, I definitely got to take a look at that book. Um, most definitely. So, and, you know, the main thing that you want to express in that book was, you know, like I said, a father's love. Um, why do you think it's important to have a father figure in today's times? I think it's always important to have a father's figure, not just in today's time, but in the past and into right. the future. Right. Um, no fathers bring a, you know, mothers bring a certain uh, form of nurturing to their children and fathers have a, a different type nurturing as well mm-hmm. so and it's good whether you are a, a young lady or a young man to uh have exposure to both right yeah and i can kind of relate to that man because you know my father was incarcerated when i was um a baby from when i was two years old to um, 13 years old and um you know i was blessed to still have people in my life that was able to take me to see my father um my aunt my aunt Jessica had a big, played a big part in me still having a, a, a relationship with my father while he was incarcerated. And, um, you know, she would take me, it would be he, her, my grandma, my other aunt, um, they would take me to see him, you know, whenever I was able to see him, it was probably like once every three months or once every two months, stuff like that. But they did that from when I was a baby till I became, you know, before he got home when I was 13. And then to this day, we have a great relationship and what I mentioned to you before the podcast, you know, he passed down the clothing brand to me and um, I'm kind of running that now. You can probably can see my little setup in the background, my screen print machine and my heat press and stuff like that, man. So, um, but yeah, we have a great relationship to this day. Um, I can, he's one call away. I, he don't stay too far from me. You know, he's currently married to my stepmom. He's been married to her since 2004. So that's like my second mom. 
so yeah, man, like overall, let's relate to what you were saying. Like, you know, having the father is important. You know, it's so much that no offense to mothers and single mothers, but it's just so much that they can do. And there's so much, it's only so much that a father can do. A father can't do everything. They can't provide everything for their kids. They can do, but so much. And the same thing for a mother, you got to have both of them in your lives. If you, if you're able to have them. And, um, you know, it's especially like a, a stigma amongst black fathers, as far as a, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They kind of generalize black fathers. Like they look at them as the ones that are not in their child's lives. And they always say, you know, you know how it goes. Like the, um, different stereotypes about black fathers in in this country, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's just important if you are a black father and if you're able to be in your kid's life to, um, be in their life, you know, and, you know, some people have situations where the mother is kind of in the way of have you know, letting the father have a relationship with the kids. So, um, yeah, man, it's just up to us. Like, I don't have any kids yet, but I do plan on having kids, man. So I definitely plan on being a great father to my kids, having me, having me the kids I have. So, so yeah, man, I definitely think it's very important in life. To, so to one, have of, one, of, one of the interesting things, statistics show that African-American men have more engagement with their children than any other race of men. See, yeah, that's something I never knew, man. But you would never know that if you just watch the news and just watch TV. You know, <laughs> you would never know that. Stereotypes. Yeah, it's, it's I will, bad. Since you said you don't have any children. I would encourage you to become a big brother. Cause I did do that before I had children. Well, yeah, I am. Yep, I'm definitely am a big brother. I'm the oldest out of uh, four kids. My mom have. I have two younger brothers. One is 21, and one is eight, and I have a 19 year old sister. So. Oh no, I'm talking about the Big Brothers Association. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Get a, I thought. I was like, yeah, I, I thought you were talking about like an actual brother. I said, oh well, yeah, I am a big brother, really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said I definitely have experience of. If I did have raising the kids, I'd raise them for sure. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Have experience with that. But no. Nah. I, I, I did participate in that when I was living up in uh, in Massachusetts. I had a little brother. Okay. And uh, we just reconnected again this year. Okay. After, no. uh, a long time. Yeah. So, like, was you able to actually meet him or was it just like a pen pal type thing? What was that again? Um, like when you said the big brother program, were you like, did you actually meet the person you was dealing with or you, you was just like writing letters and stuff oh, no, like that? It's actually, I would go and uh, pick him up on the weekends or, and we would go out and do various activities and that kind of thing. And since, since you was a big brother, people would donate uh, tickets to you to go to, to go to basketball games, football games, basketball games, that kind of stuff. So so we, I would get into to various things I would never get into because I had a little brother for free. Right. So. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Um, how old? Well, what was the person's name again? And how old are they? Oh, uh, he was probably at the time, he was probably about 12, uh-huh. 12 years old. So I did that for either two or three years. Right. And uh, he ended up joining the military and that kind of thing. And now he's... Uh, adult got kids that kind of thing so that's what's up and all you gotta do is just you know go online and apply if, you know you want to be that mentor to that to a special yeah. someone that's cool man definitely gotta look into that um because i am a um i do have a non-profit called balls for scholars and it's, it's dedicated to just to help kids um you know as far as education you know letting them know you know what they want to do in life and trying to help them along that journey of what they want to do. 
So cool. That is great. Is you giving back to the community? Is what? Yeah, you got to man. You gotta um, you know, give back. You know, whatever you can give. You know, you know. Of course, we I can't do everything, but I think we all have a special gift that we can give something to someone. It doesn't have to be a million people. It can be whoever is in front of you at the time. And whatever positivity you can provide to them, you know, just do what you can. You know, we all can do something. Right. You know right. what I mean? Uh, we all not rich. We all not wealthy, but we all have something positive we can give. And hopefully that can help someone do the same thing for someone else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No doubt, bro. Um, so I know it's been a unexpected passing of Chadwick Bozeman. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask you about that because, you know, he's looked at, you know, as far as that's not just Black Panther, but that's an actor in general. He played a lot of strong black leads on um, this famous people in history from Jackie Robinson to um, James Brown, Thurgood Th- Marshall, a lot of um, historical black men um, in these films. So, um, you know, as far as Black Panther and the loss of Chadwick, Bozeman, man, how has that um, impacted your life and how you think, um, you know, how is yeah, overall, how has that impacted you and how did you look at him as a, a role model to young black men and women in this community? Well, I know, I know my uh, my daughters uh, looked up to him as an, as an actor. Um, the movie Black Panther really touched, uh, I think it touched a, a, a a special place in the heart of the black community. Uh-huh. So it was it was this community that you could look at in Africa. It was sort of hidden, and everybody was doing well, and that kind of thing, and treating others fairly and equitable. So it wasn't going out trying to take over the world, but instead was trying to help people. Right. So, so from that standpoint, you had strong black men, strong uh, black women in it, uh, educated. It was a, uh, it was it was a good a good film, and uh, even the more I learned about him after his death, learned out that he was a, a high quality guy, that he was mm-hmm. looking out for others and that kind of thing and cared about people. So, right, yeah. it sort of reminds me of the other icon we lost as well, and uh, Big John Thompson. So, yeah, man, it's the same like it's just one thing after another, bro. Like as far as twenty twenty has been a real tragic tragic year. Uh, with this black celebrity deaths, you know what I mean, from Kobe to Chadwick to John Thompson, because um, you know Allen Iverson, he's um he's from Hampton, Virginia, mm-hmm. and you know of course he went to Georgetown, and you know that was I'm pretty sure that was like a big loss for Iverson on because you know Iverson man he almost didn't make it to the NBA if it wasn't for John Thompson, he probably would never got a shot at the, at the NBA because I think John Thompson was the only coach that really gave him a chance to play college basketball. You uh, know Doug I mean? Wilder and John Thompson. Right. John Doug, Thompson. Right. Yeah. If, if it wasn't with Douglas Wilder for um, helping him out and John Thompson as well, yeah, both of those two people, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they really was a big influence on Iverson's life on how he was able to change his life around becoming an NBA Hall of Famer, you know what I mean? And then the fact that uh, – over ninety nine percent of his basketball players graduated from college. Yeah, that's another thing too. That's one thing I didn't I didn't know about. So I seen it on ESPN today. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was that was just 
he was he was a he was a quality coach, quality person as well. Yeah, so. and he he definitely put um, you know, black coaches. I want yeah, I guess like somewhat on the map. You know, he was kind of one of the um father. I guess the forefathers of black co- college coaches. You know, what I'm saying from coaching um Patrick Young to Alonzo Morning to Iverson, um a lot of a lot of big names, man. A lot of um right. people he coached. So yeah, rest in peace to John Thompson, man. And, um. Just you know, let his legacy live on. I'm pretty. Is, is his son still coaching Georgetown? Are you? Uh, John Thompson the third. I don't know. I have to go back and look and see. Yeah, I, I haven't really. Um, I know he was, but I haven't really paid attention to see if he still was coaching. Right. I might have looked that up after the podcast. Um, but yeah, like even with Kobe, like how you know you have two daughters. Um, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. He had he has four daughters. Well, he, you know, mm-hmm. one of his daughters passed away. Rest in peace to her as well. And everyone on that helicopter crashed. Um, but yeah, so as a, you know, he explained himself as a girl, a girl dad. You know, you have two daughters. How is it being a father of girls, you know, not having any sons? How is that experience for you? Or how has the experience been for you so far? Girls are different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, now my daughters, because of that age, they're both, they're both teenagers and, uh, the relationship changes mm-hmm. when they become teenagers, they get, they, uh, come more independent. So right now they are very, they're two independent young ladies and I have to sort of stay back and let them grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is when they're teenagers though. I can't be a helicopter parent. I can't be hoovering over and I have to just give them that space, let them grow. And, to, you know, from time to time, say, ask them to keep how, how things going. And if they need something, let them know that I'm here for them and let them come to me. That, that's, that's been the toughest thing is, uh, when, you know, when they were younger, they would always run into you. But when, you, when, when they get older, they, they separate. And yeah. uh, it's just not the same. So Right, right. And it's kind of like, you know it's gonna happen at some point. Like even when they're babies, when they're you know growing up, you're like, it's like eventually they're going to not be. And I'm not saying that not close to you, but like that attachment they have when they're kids is not gonna be the same when they get a little older. So it's kind of like preparing yourself for that moment, but um, and knowing you have to kind of fall back and let them do them, but still trying to give them advice whenever you can. You know, just you gotta balance it. You know what I mean? But the funny thing is some of my older friends who have the older daughters, their daughters come back when they get older. They go to a stage and then they sort of come back. Right, <laughs> <So> right. <they're... laughs> right, yeah. They're, especially um, you got the one that's in college. She's taking online classes, but once she gets on campus, you know, and stuff like that, you know, she going she gonna to come back. She definitely going to come back. And, you know, if she needs something, she's going to, I mean, she knows where to go to, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, um, but yeah, like I know I want. I'm I'm actually the second. So my name is David Carmichael the second. My dad is a, a senior, and um, I definitely want to have a, a a boy so I can name him the third. And I do want to have a daughter as well. I really don't know how many sons and daughters I want to have. I know I just want to have at least one of each. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, man, like. I can imagine this, you know, raising girls, man. 
I've I've always heard that from followers that they're they're different, you know. A good friend of mine, he ended up having four daughters, and he tried. He was trying for that fifth one. I said, "Oh no!" Right. <laughs> I would have been done that before, man. You had four shots. <laughs> exactly, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's how um, what's his name? Uh, Steph Curry had how many daughters he had before he had a son? I think he had two daughters or three daughters before he had a son. Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes, man, you, you never get one. Like it's like, man, like you appreciate every child that you have. But I mean, everybody thinks about okay, if you if you want to have a daughter, let's say you had three sons, and you trying to get a daughter on the fourth try, you have another son. You're like, all right, well, God, thank you, God, for this son. But man, I wish I would have had a daughter, and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? But you know, that's how yeah. it happens. Is that what happened with you? Like, did you ever want a son, or you just appreciate? Just having kids overall. Well, of course, you want. I want to say. <laughs> first of all, I want to help. I want to help the children, which I did have. Right, right. And uh, I always wanted two kids, and my, my former wife wanted three. She had two kids and no trouble. She was like, "Hey, you know, two is great." <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm satisfied with, with two with with two daughters. Okay, yeah, that's great, man. That's a blessing. Always a blessing to have children to bring into this world. Um, but yeah, so like as far as, you know, positive black role models, um, you know, what can we do as black men to be an example to other black men? Let's say, you know, we want to be role models to other people. Uh, what can we do to continue being great black men and try to be positive role models for people below us or not below us, but people coming up under us? Uh, best thing I say, I would say first is set a good example would be first, uh, live the life. That's, that's a good example versus just talking about it. And then when you have an opportunity don't talk down to people, talk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of times younger folks think that you are, you know, this person talking down to me, talking over me, disrespecting me. So get talk on that level, explain your experiences and, how things are happening to you. And I think a lot of times people can, can get, uh, they can get knowledge out of, out of the stories about what happened to you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, cause we all not, not perfect. You know, the best we can do is just, um, you know, just do the best we can and just, you know, if we do make mistakes, just tell people not to do what we did and hopefully they can learn from what we did. You know, um, this brings as much positivity in the world as we can. And know that, you know, like what, how you mentioned about that, those statistics about um, black fathers being in, in the kids' lives, you know, know that you can't always listen to what the media, how to portray certain people, how to portray a certain group of people. Right. Um, and the other thing is we're not, always, we're not always the right messenger. So I can tell you something and someone can come behind five minutes later tell you the same thing and you receive it from the person that, that came second you would never receive it from me because I'm not the right messenger for you. No doubt. That's a good way to look at it. No doubt. And, and I can't get mad. I just no. have to be happy you receive. Right. So. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's not going to receive the message the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as you was able to send that message out, you know, that's what's important. And um, I mean, shoot, however many times it takes for them to get it, they might not get it the, when you say it, but if somebody else said somebody might get it the second time. So as long so as my dad was a uh, principal, he was a teacher, he was a coach, brick mason, 
uh, property appraiser. And one of the things he would he did was for me and my brother, he would uh, have other men come in our lives and tell us things. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want he didn't want all everything just coming from him. He wants to hear from other people as well. And as we got older, we appreciated that those other men that came to our lives and shared with us as well. Because, you know, we listened to them. We listened to our dad, but we also listened to them as well. And they didn't tell us anything that was wrong, but it was just a different voice. Right. And sometimes that's, that's what you need to validate certain things. Like, you, you know, especially as a, you know, we all under our parents, you think our parents didn't think we know everything and, you always saying this, you think you know everything, but if you hear it from someone else and it's the same exact thing they said, it's like, okay, well, you know, people are not making these things up about just life lessons in general. Like, why would they say the same thing he's saying? Like, it got to be true. You know what I'm saying? So that makes mm-hmm. you want to listen more, not just try to take everything your parents are saying. You know, so, yeah, that's very important that he did that, man. Um, you know, just provide different examples, different viewpoints of different people, you know. Yeah, one of the, one of the, one of the letters in my 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 book that I had advice from my father, George R. Moore Sr. So, uh, probably about a year before he died at the family reunion, he shared some of his 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 uh, tips for success. Okay, and so I wrote them down. No and, doubt, uh, put them in a letter to my daughters. So this is what your grandfather said. So right, they got, they got an opportunity to uh to hear what he uh what his what his guidance was in life so yeah, that's awesome man that's definitely great yeah like you definitely want to um like i said before like just have a different viewpoint like this is what i said and now he's saying it's, it's similar things you know it's like we're not making these things up you know we've been we, we've lived life we've been through it we just want y'all to have a great life as well mm-hmm. and um yeah man like it's just you guys got to do the best you can as a parent man like however I guess your kids end up, I mean, we are, you know, as a parent, you do have responsibility of how they have, you know, how they live their life. But as a parent, you want to get them as much information you can and as as much positive um, information. And then whatever they make of that, it's like, well, you want them to listen to you and do the best they can, but if they end up going astray, just keep praying for them and know that, you know, well, God, I did, the best I can as a parent, man, but you always can do better no matter how much you do. But, um, but yeah, that's the, that's the main thing is make sure you're in their lives and make sure you're listening to them. And, um, and let them know that experience is a teacher, but it's not the best teacher. <laughs> right. Right. That's facts. If you're able to avoid it ahead of time, then it's always a good thing. I mean, you won't have to experience things regardless of what you do, but yeah, the less bad experiences, the better, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. Definitely true. My mom and dad told me the same thing. So, yeah. yes, sir. So, yeah, Edmund. Um, yeah, I got one more question for you before we wrap it up, man. Like I said, um, thank you for being a part of this podcast again. I um, learned a lot of good things from you. Um, this is a question that I ask all of my podcasts or all of my guests. Um, it's a very broad question, but just answer the best you can. Um, how do you plan to capture the world? How to plan to capture the world, capture the world. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting question. How do I plan to capture the world? Yeah, that's, that's, you know, based on what you're doing in life right now, how do you plan to capture the world? Um, well, 
when I wake up, when I wake up in the morning, uh, probably the second thing I want to do is to, uh, you know, read my Bible and pray and, uh, tell the Lord to, to guide my steps through the day. Mm-hmm. And so that is always my initial prayer is that Lord guide my steps, provide prayer for me. And so I've, so for me to capture the world, I just want to do the, the Lord's will. And as I, as I just move through this world. No doubt, man. Amen. Most definitely, bro. Um, yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's a question a lot of people get, get stomped on in the beginning, but yeah, it's, it's just based on your own experience. You know, how you plan to capture the world is just your own experience. You know what I'm saying? And, and whatever positivity you want to bring to the world, whatever gifts you have, you know, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? I don't know if I want to capture this world. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's, 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 a lot, it's, it's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, man. 2020, you know, it's been a long ride, man. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think it'll be any different in 2021, especially with the COVID-19. I don't see that going anywhere no time soon. Um, yeah, one of our universities here, uh, one in 10 students have uh, COVID-19. Wow. So... It's just increased the, the account in the county here. So, yeah, man, it's, <laughs> it's it's wild. I don't I don't even know what to, what to think of it. Like, I know it's it's made a lot of people, you know, a lot of people has been gotten depression from this. You know, just being isolated and not able to see their friends and family like they used to, and just being able to travel. You know, it's a lot going on, man. I just you know pray that this world will be able to make it through it and um this trust God and whatever's going on and know that it'll be okay. You know, I and mean, we had pandemics before and throughout history and, um, yeah, just got to stay prayed up, man. And just stay close to God praying that we can all say that about week six. I had some anxiety. It's like, man, I'm cooked up in this house, these walls. I need to get out. Yeah, bro. And so I purposely decided I had to get out and walk. Just had to get out the house on a daily basis and get out. If, if it's nothing but walking, walking a two or three miles around the neighborhood with a mask on if need be. But I got to get out the house. I can't sit in the house all day and no, yeah. experience nature. That that's been helpful. And then it's you know on a scientific standpoint, man, you know you got to get sunlight anyway. You know, like even just being in the house can cause depression because you're not getting that proper sunlight on your right. skin, the vitamin D, you know, all that goes into it you know so yeah thousand like, units a week right <laughs> <laughs> right right no doubt like yeah like if, if anything let's go out for a walk like you don't gotta be around a lot of people to go for a walk just right. keep your distance you can still keep your distance you know just get a little bit of sunlight while we can before it starts getting cold outside of course because the fall is coming up and um yeah bro like like i said before it's, it's been crazy but you know we're gonna make it through it man it's been a rough 2020 for everyone like this been this has impacted everyone no matter how rich you are how poor you are it's impacted everyone in some type of way so yeah <laughs> exactly and like money that's one thing about having money money is not gonna be to solve this <laughs> you know what i'm saying like no matter where you are on, on them totem pole it's affecting everybody you know so yeah just gotta stay prayed up and hopefully we can get through this thing i don't know the guy on amazon seems to be doing well <laughs> well yeah, yeah, yeah. He can travel his own private jet. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that 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 um virus is not 
is not exempt from anyone. You know, even right, if right. you're a billionaire, you still can get it. You might have some uh some resources maybe to uh to have less chance of getting it, but it's still not exempt from anyone. So, so yeah, like I said, I was I've just been blessed to be able to work from home to, to telework. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't have that option, yes, and uh, you know, just keep them in prayer uh, that they have to go out the house and and expose themselves on a daily basis. I don't, I don't have to do that. So that's just been a blessing. Yeah, uh, I work third shift now, but it's only like me. And another guy that works on third shift and the majority of our people work from home. So, yeah, like I, I had a chance to work from home as well. But I already know if I would have been working from home, I would have been not focused. Like I'd be wanting to watch Sports Center <laughs> and do different stuff, man. So I was like, I'm going to still come to work, but I'm going to just come on third shift. So I'm not around a lot of people. Like I said, it's just me and another co-worker. And we, we six feet apart at our desk. So we're not contacting each other. Um, but the good news is I can, you can keep it on in the background. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. That's true as well, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. Um, yeah, but praying the people that's not able to work from home, that's, you know, praying that they will be safe. And people are getting unemployment. Um, you know, people are getting the resources that they need, even though it's it might have taken a long time for some people to get it. From what I heard, you know, some people say in the unemployment took a long time for them to get to get to them, but um, that's praying people are able to, to survive and still live right. throughout all this going on, man. Um, but yeah, man, that was that was pretty much it to wrap it up. Edmund, um, thank you again for being part of this podcast. Definitely, um, I appreciate you, you know, being able to tell your story and you know your life experiences, and that can definitely help somebody listening to this podcast right now. And David, uh-huh. thanks for having me on. No doubt, no. pleasure. It's likewise, same, same here. And um, look forward to you having that uh, that third. Yeah, soon, man. I don't have a special lady in my life right now, but <laughs> whenever she, you know, I'll be turning thirty in October, so I'm still a pretty young guy. And whenever she comes around, you know, praying that she wants to have kids, of course. And um, yeah, you know, the third is coming soon, man. I'm expecting. You know, I, I'm very, um, I feel like I'm, I'll, be, I'll be prepared to be a father just based on, you know, the male role models I had in my life growing up, uh, you know, with my stepfather and my real father and just my uncles, people like that, man. And just hopefully I can just spray my wisdom to my kids and, you know, hopefully they can live great lives like, like I have as well. So. And you definitely. picked a bad time to start dating in the middle of a pandemic. That's what I'm saying. That's like, you know, I can't even. Even I wanted to go on a date. Like, where can we go? Like, <laughs> we got to find a restaurant that you can eat inside or go somewhere. Like, where are we going to go for a date? You know what I'm saying? You know. Maybe. six feet away from me. <laughs> right. Hey, look, I don't know you like that. You know, I don't, I don't know if you got COVID. But we can talk. We can text. We can talk on the phone, FaceTime, you know, until the pandemic is over. You know what I mean? And then we probably can go on a date. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt for sure, bro. Um. But yeah, man, Edmund, again, thank you for being a part of this pod. Um, much, much success to you and your daughters and your family. And um, just wish y'all the best, man. Y'all stay safe hey, out here. Thank you. Same to you. No doubt, no doubt. And this is episode 53 of the Caption World Podcast. And this is your host, David Carmichael II. Thank y'all again, all of our Spotify, Apple, and YouTube listeners. 
um, just continue to spread the word about the podcast and continue to um, keep rocking with us. Keep spreading the word and um, stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, y'all have a good one. Have a good night. Peace.